morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How are you? I'm missing you. I'm going to see you in Los Angeles in literally 12 hours and you want me to stay with you and snuggle in your bed every I, night. I know we're going to get a little sneak in from you every night. We're going to wake up and be like, oh, there's Tamman right in the middle. You're going to be like, is that my child or is that Tamman holding me and holding me trying to rock, Roxy, asking Roxy to rock me to sleep? I don't know. Okay. Have you set up my room? Um, what's that? Have you set I, up my room? Uh, yes, your room is all set up. The question is, who is the big spoon and who's the little spoon? I'm the big spoon. Oh, why do you get to be the big spoon? Are you the big spoon? <laughs> I want to be the big spoon. I always end up being the little spoon. You know, Sean and I like literally don't sleep together in the same bed. <laughs> you know that, right? And That's I saw this secret. TikTok and it went viral. And I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so much better and so much less alone because- I love, I would love to sleep with my husband. I've been with him for 16 years. Like it would be great, but we don't sleep. We wake up every two hours, every three hours. He moves, I move, I'm hot, he's cold. The covers go over him, the covers come over me. He snores, I move his head to try for him not to snore. <laughs> then he wakes up, then he's angry that he's woken up. It has just been such a shit show that I'm like, I don't, I don't understand sleeping together. Like I get the concept, like we- biologically probably want to have somebody else in our bed we feel safer mm -hmm. but like why do we do it when we literally don't sleep I don't sleep with my husband in the bed like I, I don't it makes sense though why you don't yeah. and I feel yeah. very very similar I mean David and I still sleep in the same bed but we sleep on like opposite sides of the bed whereas like you know when we first got married it was like we're going to just snuggle and spoon all no night long. Snuggle. <laughs> it's like, I'm literally like, okay. and to be fair, you're drunk. So, <laughs> so that's that not fair. Be, that might be where the snoring comes in too. And do you <laughs> snore? I mean, I think we both kind of snore, although we both oh God, deny that we snore. Show. I am not coming over. This is a <laughs> terrible invite. You should have, you should have warned me before I got there. See, you thought you didn't get sleep before. Welcome to the Manning's house. <laughs> anyway, we're going to ask our next guest if she sleeps with her partner. I'm sure she does because I think she's, I hope I can say this. She can tell me if I can, but I, she's pregnant. <laughs> and I, you know, when you have kids too, like you're sleeping with your kids most of the time, especially in the first four years. So like there is no snuggle session. So who do we have on the podcast today, Roxy Soxy? Oh my goodness. Well, we are so excited to welcome this next guest. As you mentioned, she's a podcast host. She's an author. She's a mama to be. She, mm -hmm. um, superstar I, I, from TikTok, which yes. I remember when she started, she had like 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 us all like 5000 followers and now she has millions I which mean, reminds me to like actually keep posting because <laughs> i feel like you have to be really dedicated and disciplined and um be posting every day to like get some kind of following and also be good at it and so yes. that's why she's she's got garnered all these amazing people I mean, she is definitely consistency is key and she has nailed it. So she is the podcast host and the author of E Pray FML. Fuck my life. For those <laughs> who might not know. And we're just so excited to welcome Gabrielle Stone on the podcast. Yay! What's up, ladies? Hello, hello. Okay, so you are pregnant. Yeah. I am pregnant. Five months, man. We're oh doing it. Halfway mark. <laughs> At least she's in the second trimester because yes. that's when you start actually feeling a little better, you know? Yes, I can confirm. I've been eating less and less McDonald's as we've gotten further into the second yeah. trimester. Yes. I want a third and he does not. So uh, what do you do in that situation when one wants, like, what if, what if you were with your partner and he didn't want kids and you did, mm. then what do you do? That's tough. I mean, you have to, I feel like everybody has those conversations before going into a relationship, but once you get to <laughs> like three and four kids, that, that changes. You're like, no, I'm good with the two that are here. Yeah. <laughs> or, I think I'd be mad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If someone didn't want any kids, right, Roxy? Like if you were with, if you were with your partner and you said, like you had the conversation, you said, okay, I want a family. And then all of a sudden the person said, no, I don't want kids anymore. I think that would be a little unfair. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It would be right to change it up like that. But, I, you know, I'm coming from sort of a different place because 
I went into marriage. I knew I always wanted to get married, um, mm. but I was not sold on having kids. Like I was like, this is fun to be like, you're still not (laughs) like, am I? No, it was, it's so fun to be like kind of married and like live that life and travel and like be selfish and like do the things. Right. Um, so then when I got pregnant, which was a surprise, you know, we were kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What? I mean, it's the best surprise that could have happened. Like, I'm so thrilled that I'm a mom, but like, it's interesting coming from like kind of the other side where I was kind of convinced not to have kids, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a balancing act. Cause I felt both of those things. Like I came from like solo travel and like my career has just started taking off in the last couple of years. So I kind of settled into like career focus, like maybe that's mm-hmm. not at least for me right now. Um, and my husband is old, old, quite a bit older than me. We are, we're 15 years apart. And, um, so I was like, I felt like his clock was ticking as yeah. opposed to mine. I was like, well, I guess your sperm still swimming. I don't want him to be like walking down in a walker at our kid's graduation. So I was like, we better get it moving if we're going to do it. Um, and then, you know, it is kind of like what everybody said. Um, there was one day where my ovaries just popped out and we're like, Hey bitch, we're ready. And yeah. I was like, all right, here we go. Um, and it kind of happened pretty quickly after that. Yeah. That's great. I don't know. Like, I feel like kids are, it it really does make you look in the mirror and all the horrible parts about yourself you have to fix Mm -hmm. because you don't, you can hide it. I feel like when you don't have kids, you can hide so much of your trauma and so much Mm. of your own personal issues because you don't have to fix it for anyone. I mean, maybe you do for your partner, maybe you go to couples therapy, but you don't really have to change that much if you don't want to. When you have children, I remember like probably four months ago, I was getting really heightened. And I realized in that moment, I took a breath and I thought, this is all my stuff and all my Mm. trauma that I'm now bleeding all over my children. And it's right. never your children's fault. Mm-hmm. They're right. they're babies. They're they're yeah. they don't understand. Their 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 frontal lobe isn't fully developed until they're twenty five. They get really angry if someone takes their toy away, and it's up to us to guide them and nurture them instead of just scream at them because we're tired and we're overwhelmed and we've got too much sensory overload mm-hmm. and we've had a bad day. And then we like kind of shit all over our kids, and then we go like it's their fault. And right. I feel like by having kids, I had to like step up and really work on myself, which is definitely not fixed. <laughs> I have so much, so much of a way, ways to go, but, but I feel like I, I really had to, to go there, you know, and it's, yeah. it doesn't feel good. Well, I feel like that's kind of what my Europe trip and like this whole journey that I went on with Eat, Pray, FML made me do in the first mm-hmm. place. Like that was really like let's like cut Gabrielle open, make her bleed everywhere. And she can like Mm. stitch her back, stitch herself back (laughs) together and like have fun. Um, and that was the first kind of like experience of like really fixing all the trauma and the shit that had accumulated throughout my childhood and my early adulthood. Um, and I'm sure when this baby's here, it will be a continuation of that. Um, he's already teaching me that I don't know shit because I was steadfast sure that it was a girl and (laughs) we bit into that fucking cupcake at our wedding and was like, Oh, the shock on my face was just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Just out, out of body experience. (laughs) Did you think you were having a girl, Roxy? You know, I thought I was actually having a boy. I was Same. convinced that I was having a boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even it's- circled, like, I thought it was the penis on the ultrasound. And I still uh- have that picture to this day. <laughs> and I circled it and I sent it to all my friends and family. And I went, it's a boy. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. From birth. They're like, no, you don't know yeah. shit. Just like come along for the ride. That was the <laughs> biggest lesson that I had to learn through this whole thing was, and I think it kind of started with that moment is that I don't have control over this. You know, it's like- yeah. You have to like, it was one of the biggest parenting lessons I have had to learn is that to give up control because I was so used to governing myself, you know, like having my life in a certain way. And then as soon as, you know, I found out like the sex was different than what I thought. And then as soon, especially when I had to have a C-section, because I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a vaginal birth. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like recover faster and she was breach and she just would not turn. Yeah. Same like you, Tam. And like, 
just wouldn't turn. I even had that inversion process, you know, would not turn. So I had to have the C-section. And I remember that day, actually, this is funny. The day of the C-section, I was supposed to be at Cedar sinai at 12 noon. And I was so not angry that I was having the C-section, but I was so like in denial still that I was actually right. having a C-section that I was like late to my own C-section. I arrived like an hour. <laughs> well, like, that's I'm not kind of typical Roxy. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> like, I will baby. not get this baby out of me. <laughs> I'm going to keep this baby in and she's going to do what I want. And I was like, there it is. I have to give up the control. You know, 12 o'clock is really funny. late. So you couldn't eat till 12. No, exactly. I could That's not difficult. Isn't that difficult? I was like, so thirsty, so hungry. I'm like, and you're pregnant. Fucking cyanide. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm-mm. So yeah, so that is a big lesson for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I've, this whole this whole past year has been like just me trying to give up control, and it's like the hardest lesson to learn. So I'm sure that will continue yeah. tenfold when yeah. he's here. <laughs> I think that's why you guys should have more than one because when oh, you God. have the one, you're like you're like oh you're having a c-section you're like well at least my vagina's good like you just don't right. even, well, have like, you seen the first one i was that, so angry have you seen that commercial where it's like the first baby they're like oh can i hold your baby and they're like yeah sure wash your hands double sanitize like make sure you're sitting yeah. on a clean surface and then it's like the second baby and she like hands her child to a greasy mechanic and she's like hold this yeah. it's like very like you're just like over it by then like two months ago my second daughter smashed her face like she fell off the bed because we were at an Airbnb and the table was too close. And I'm normally really good with that stuff, but I must've just missed it. And she was like bleeding from her face. And I remember oh. the first time anything even remotely happened to my first kid, we were in the emergency. Like we went to the emergency like <laughs> twice a month. And then the second baby was like second child bleeding down the face. And I looked at her and I said to Sean, can she look you in the eye? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, she's good. <laughs> she's fine. Patch her up. Yeah, No concussion. We're good. Oh my God. Put a little dirt in that and it's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what was so interesting? When I was reading your bio, Gabrielle, I noticed that, you know, you kind of started your brand and everything as the single girl, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've had this whole like life metamorphosis and, you know, like kind of had to, you know, and grow with the brand and everything. But has that like been difficult at all to like kind of go or has the audience like kind of followed along? That's such a great question. And it's actually been really amazing because mm -hmm. when people read my books, they feel so connected to me because it's like such a personal journey that they're going on with me and they're healing with me. So I feel like they've now with the podcast too have really kind of like gone with me every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So when we announced our engagement, when we posted about the baby, like the incredible outpour of love and support mm -hmm. of like genuine excitement that I felt from my followers was so beautiful because mm. they've really felt like they've been a friend to me on this journey. And I've felt like that too. Um, so for people that don't really know the backstory of like the book and what happened, I can give you guys like a quick summary. Mm. Um, I was married for almost two years, found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, mm. filed for divorce, left. And shortly after that, met a guy, Hollywood actor fell madly in love with each other and had this kind of whirlwind romance that was like, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with this person, like signed, sealed, delivered. Um, and we had this like crazy love affair for a month and a half. He invited me on a month long trip to Italy mm -hmm. and 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. This man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was sitting at my mom's house because that's where you move when you're 28 and get divorced on my bed with like a pool of tears and a bottle of wine and was like, all right, well, I have a decision to make. I can either stay at home heartbroken or I can go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took my backpack that was already packed mm -hmm. and got on a plane and did six countries over the span of a month and wrote the book Eat, Pray, FML about it. And after the success of that book, all of my readers were kind of demanding a follow-up and like, what the mm -hmm. fuck happened after Europe? Yeah. So I ended up writing the sequel, which is called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. And that's where you meet the person who is now my husband and see our kind of crazy mm -hmm. journey and how long it took us to get to like a solid, healthy place. And so people feel like they've 
watched that relationship from the very beginning to see us now, you know, happy, healthy, having a baby. It's been like a full circle, Mm -hmm. butterfly metamorphosis. (laughs) I feel like it would be really difficult to trust again. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it didn't just happen once it happened twice. And infidelity is, is a hard one. I know it's not the same person. You're obviously married to someone completely different, but do you still have triggers from your past that sort of seep into your relationship now? And how do you, how do you manage that? Because yeah, difficult. It is. And I get questions from, from readers and listeners all the time about like, how do I trust again, moving forward into a new relationship? I think if there was ever a time for me to just like close off my heart, it would have been after finding out that my husband was sleeping with a 19 year old, um, and like, you know, blatantly disrespecting my body so badly. Um, and if I would have done that, if I would have closed my heart off, I wouldn't have met and fallen in love with Javier, who was the man after, and I wouldn't have gotten my heart broken, which taught me so much about myself. And I wouldn't have gone on this crazy journey that completely changed the direction of my life, healed me as a person and changed my career. Mm -hmm. Like, it completely like put me into my like divine path of what I was supposed to do on this planet. Um, That's not to say that when I met my current partner, there weren't old triggers that come up. And I think that that's natural and normal and it's nothing to like beat yourself up about it. Although we do. And I did because I'm human. Like there were times Mm -hmm. where I would want to look at his phone and I'd be like, Oh God, that feels so gross to me. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to be that person that feels like they need to do that. But the more you can communicate if you're with the proper partner that's going to help you walk through that, you know, I was very open. He he had, you know, read my book and knew what I had gone through during this whole process. So he would be like, look, anytime you want to go through my phone, you go through it. Here's the password. If mm-hmm. he was like sitting next to me texting, he would like turn his phone towards me without me having to ask just in case I wanted to look like he really mm-hmm. helped walk me through a lot of those triggers. And I had to be brave enough to voice when they were happening and be like, Ooh, this feels really icky, but like, I feel the need to look through your phone right now. Mm -hmm. Can we like talk about it? And Mm -hmm. most of the times I wouldn't even need to follow through and do it. It was just Mm -hmm. about having that open communication of like, Hey, this is a trigger and it's happening. Can you, can we discuss it? And can you help Mm -hmm. me through it? Mm. So he sounds like the complete opposite of Tom Sandoval. (laughs) <laughs> Vanderpump is, rules. You know, like everyone might not know. She might not be a Vanderpump junkie oh, like we are. You Roxy. know, I, admittedly, I've never seen one episode, but like Good. I can't get away from the news on yeah. social media. Like it's like in my face all the time. Oh, um, yeah. so I do know what you're referencing. Yes, I can confirm. He is the complete opposite, and it's it's really interesting because I I joked about this at our wedding in in my vows to him that. Every you know week, I get a DM from someone who's finished reading the sequel, and they're like, "I'm not settling until I meet someone like his name in the book is Tyler. Till I meet someone like Tyler. Till I meet my unicorn." And I'm like, "You better never drop the ball, dude. You got a lot of people that you're now the new standard for." So, <laughs> yeah, it's been really sweet. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. And how nice of him to to like kind of take you through that process, like and be understanding, you know. Cause that's not easy too, for, you know, somebody coming into this or like, you know, the new relationship, I mean, did he have with him, you know, like, um, with any issues with the situation before, or like, how did he kind of come into it? Hmm. Um, no, I mean, he really was there. We, he came into my life um, when I came back from my Europe trip. Mm. So he, I remember the first time, the first date we went on, I didn't think it was a date. I showed up with no makeup and yoga pants and like proceeded to talk about my exes for the next two hours. (laughs) Um, because we were like very friend vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were friends before anything crossed into that physical realm for Mm. probably a solid month of like hanging out and watching movies and like having really deep conversations and really built that foundation. Mm. Um, but it was a wild ride. Like that second book was a lot harder for me to write because I wrote it when we were, you know, living together and happy Mm -hmm. and like everything was good. Um, but it had, I had to go back and go through a lot of times that I wasn't necessarily proud of the times that Mm -hmm. we broke up and other things were going on. And it, it took a lot of work on both ends for us to get to where we are now. And I don't think 
if we would have just powered through and like forced ourselves to stay together that whole time, it would have ended up in the healthy place that we're in now. So let's like, I have a, a vision of you in Europe now in Italy, <laughs> right? What do you do? Cause I've, I, I was a child actor. Then I got with my, I, I, started dating my husband at 22. I've never had that experience of being solo, mm. alone, traveling. And I think I yearn for it. I think as I get older, I want it so much more. And of course my husband will let me do that, but you know, I'd always feel guilty and tethered to my home life. Right, so right. what's it like? And also for all the people who are listening, who are afraid to travel alone. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. it like when you get off that plane? Like what are the obvious advantages, but what are also the disadvantages? Did you ever find yourself in, is, did you ever find yourself in a situation where you just felt uncomfortable and you didn't want to be there by yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, I totally understand your position and where you're coming from. I get messages from readers a lot that's like I lived vicariously mm -hmm. through you and like felt like I was on this trip. Um, cause I've never felt like I was able to go do it. I hope you do go do it one day. I, I want to go to India like, so badly. The kids are taken care of, like just, it, it will change your life. I promise you it will be worth it. Even with mm -hmm. the mom guilt that I'm sure mm -hmm. is inevitable. But, um, when I went on this trip, the only thing I knew about hostels was that there was a horror movie about them and people get brutally murdered in that movie. <laughs> like I, we've all seen taken. Like I was like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? I had wow. never traveled alone unless it was to like fly to a film set and then go be with like the cast and crew there. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was scary for me. I got on the plane. Once you step off the plane, all of those fears melt away. It's just something that comes over you where you're like, oh my God, I did it. I'm here. I'm a fucking badass. Like, mm -hmm. let's go. Um, mm -hmm. I have had a long stemming fear of abandonment in my life. It started when I was really young. I lost my dad pretty traumatically when I was six years old. I walked in and found him dead on the floor from a heart attack. Mm -hmm. um, that really instilled like when I love someone, they die, fear of abandonment. That was reinstated in in myself when I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident when I was 18. So like all through my life, it's been fear of abandonment and that manifested in not wanting to be alone and always being in a relationship, always having a roommate, never having like real alone time. Mm -hmm. So this was the universe's clear way of being like, sorry, bitch, you're going to go face all this head on <laughs> and go across the world by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, for me, was so life-changing because solo travel makes you realize how fucking capable you are and mm -hmm. how okay you are by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, the first couple of days inevitably felt very uncomfortable and like mm -hmm. a little, not scary, but like just uneasy. Like you're like, mm -hmm. oh, are people looking at me? I'm by myself. I'm like sitting mm -hmm. at dinner alone. By the second location I got to in Europe, I was like, I'm empowered by this. Like, mm -hmm. This is like making me so much cooler than all these people that are traveling with their friends. Like, cause I'm doing it by myself. I'm not on anybody's schedule. Like it really allowed me to get to know me in a different way than I had my first 28 years. Mm -hmm. And that was really special for me. I think so many times at home were supplemented with Netflix or TikTok or both mm -hmm. at the same time. And it's like, we have like, friends and family and so much going on that it's like, we've never really sat down to get quiet and get to know ourselves. And that trip gave me that in such a big way. Mm. See, that's the thing I think would, I love that. And I love like having the freedom to kind of go around wherever you are at this new location and check things out. But I think the thing that would make me the most paranoid about traveling alone is that moment where you're sitting at dinner, right? Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there, and you're, right? Like you're kind of quiet, like you're looking around, you're seeing like other couples, like groups of people together. Yeah. I think that might be the only part that like really like would a little bit like I'd feel. Yeah, but that's a you problem. Meaning you know, like, and that's like, not in yeah. a negative way, but that's yeah, a, totally because what's the difference? I mean, I go to movies by myself all the time now. It took that's me a while to get great. there I love all that. the time. I, I went that. the other weekend. I went on Saturday. My husband was like, you know, in a, in a mood or whatever. And I was like, you know what? It's Saturday night. I don't want to be sitting here. Do you mind if I go see a movie? And he's like, no problem. So like I went and I saw the movie. I, I do that all the time. And I didn't I used to because I was so afraid of like, 
what people would think or would I feel uncomfortable? And I don't know why, because I watch TV by myself. And mm-hmm. and you think about what you just said, Roxy, about dinner, but you eat lunch. Like you easily would go to lunch by yourself and go to a salad place or whatever, like a Mexican, like you'd go yeah. right now and eat lunch, right? But yeah. just because it's, it's five hours later, six hours later, then you feel uncomfortable. It's just because of the narrative of like what dinner is supposed to look like. Right. right. But a lot of people other do. People. A lot of people do feel that way, Roxy. It's, I've gotten like yeah. questions of like, how do I get over that? And yeah. I was like that too at first on my trip. And so what I tell people is to like, take a journal, take a book, take something to kind of like ease yourself into like the first couple nights. You're like, I'm not alone. I'm reading my book and enjoying mm-hmm. my glass of wine. This is lovely. And then like, start to get more comfortable being mm-hmm. by yourself. And then you can like leave the book at home. And it's mm-hmm. really about like, indulging and enjoying in what's there like tasting the wine like eating the pasta like really like being present in the moment like sightseeing the people that are around you and like making an experience about it for yourself but it does take a little while to get comfortable and it's not something that I just jumped into and was like woohoo we're solo let's go (laughs) it's interesting too because I do crave alone time I mean I would consider myself an extrovert but I do create crave alone time to like kind of recharge the batteries and like you know do that and it's funny too because if you think about it like going to the gym, for example, I do that alone and it's much Mm -hmm. more performative. Like you're doing things in front of people, like maybe like funny moves or whatever. Right. For some reason that doesn't feel as like anxiety ridden. It's so weird. No, that's an interesting example because that's exactly correct. (laughs) (laughs) Why, why is eating alone? Like Mm. it's a society well it's what tamman said it's a societal thing that they've put on us like why don't you have someone to accompany you Mm -hmm. like what if i fucking chose to not have someone accompanying me you know so it's a society thing that we've been like programmed to believe and we also really think that people care so much about us and i think that's a huge lesson um probably in the last year that I was like, oh, no one fucking cares about me in a good way. Like yeah. they do, but yeah. they don't really. I mean, I'm, right. I'm, if I'm on their Instagram feed or their TikTok, they care about me for 3.5 seconds or whatever it is yeah. or a minute. Um, my friends obviously care about me, but they're not thinking about me 24 seven. They're not stressed. Like, you know, I, I don't like to fly. And my husband said to me, cause I'm so nervous that something's going to happen. And he said to me, like, you're just not that special. And he didn't say it being an asshole. He was like, Tamman, like one in so many millions. And it's, it's, you are so much more likely to win the lottery. And I don't walk around thinking I'm going to win the lottery every right. day. I'm like, you know what? I'm that person. I'm that really special person <laughs> who's going to win the $50 million. Like that's me, $100 million. I can feel it. But then every time I get on a plane, I think I'm that one in a gajillion people that it's going to happen to. And when he said that, obviously, I'm so special to him. He would give me anything. But like in the world, I'm just not that special. I love like at first I was like, wait, what? But I'm I really like that. I really like that Mm -hmm. thought. Totally. And I'm the same way. I hate turbulence. Like I'm not like stoked on flying, but when my mom's on the flight with me, so my mom is, is an actress. Um, her name's Dee Wallace. She was mm-hmm. in, you know, like ET Cujo, the howling. And I oh always my God, trick you my, look ex- it's connecting to me right now. You look exactly <laughs> like her. You didn't know that Roxy. My husband oh, was thanks. so excited. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Stop. Is, like, I love it. Most, of, like, best oh my, films. I just, like looking at you, like, Oh my God. I love it. Well, thank you. Well, Tamman, tell your husband this because when I'm on planes, I trick myself when I'm on flights with her, I trick myself and I'm like, D Wallace isn't dying on a plane. She's done too much. She's done too much for this planet. I'm good. If she's on the plane, I'm all right. We're not going down. So I fuck with my brain that same way too, because I I hate flying. (laughs) Yeah. I always look at, yeah. When someone's like really, yeah. If I see a famous, oh, I was once on a, a plane with, um, uh, Kanye West. This was a long time ago. I, he doesn't. That, he would, takes ma- commercial. that would make me nervous. Yeah, that you're like, like we, it's we going, down. going down. <laughs> but he was like in economy, and he was just sitting there with his hoodie out, and I was like, man, it's probably not going to be the day. <laughs> right, right. That would be a big news article. We're probably that would be okay. big news, <laughs> and then I'd be kind of pissed because I'd be like, with the small little things I've done, I wouldn't even make the news because right. it would be all about that. 
Okay, let me flip <laughs> this idea out to you guys. I think too, because this also plays into the control thing. When you're on a plane, you don't have control, right? No, you, have you don't have control of really of anything. So that's yeah. not much part of it too, you know? Yeah. Like, why would you rather be driving a car where there's such a higher accident percentage where you really only have a certain amount of control because you can't control all the other drivers, mm -hmm. but it's so much worse to be in a plane where it's like this giant thing that's just floating in the sky. So when there's all the, all the research about it. That's like, mm -hmm. you know, even the turbulence, it's just hitting air bumps, like the percentage of you going down, oh. da, 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 but we still go to the worst case scenario. <laughs> because, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, when you're in a fucking car, you open the, if something happens to the car, you right. open the door and you <laughs> and get <step> out. out. <laughs> like if the engine stops, <laughs> you stop the car and you walk out. Right. That's my problem. When people say that car analogy, I'm like, I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, it's a little different when I'm floating. God knows how many miles up in the sky. Yeah. And like, just, we're just putting our faith in these pilots that say they yeah. can do this mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot i get it it's true so see you're already getting the lessons i mean less you let it go let it go control when this kid comes you know yeah you man, think you're gonna the be biggest good? Like, lesson will you be good about that do you think you'll be able probably to not yeah. <laughs> probably not i i've never been good at letting other people have control when like i do everything in a very specific way uh -huh. but i will say that i do feel like this past year with like career stuff and, you know, we just bought a new house. So like the whole buying in this weird market, um, I've had to just let go of control because it would have driven me into the ground trying mm -hmm. to like plan and figure it all out. Um, so I feel like this last year was kind of prepping me for the inevitable lose all control when child comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll I have biggest, <laughs> you know, they say control or like the lack of the fear of not having control is really a deep distrust in the universe. Mm -hmm. And wherever that comes from, probably my mom was, you know, nervous because her mom was nervous. It's all like a, it's all generational. Right. So right. you said you grew up as Dee Wallace's daughter. How was that experience? Was she what kind of mom was she? Was she fearful? Was she open like how Cautious. how did you grow up yeah. no my mom is a freaking badass and I think that one of the reasons why I am able to handle trauma and get through life the way that I have is because I watched her do it at such a young age you know when mm -hmm. she when my dad passed I was at home with my dad and my nanny who's like my family still till this day um and she was in New Zealand filming a movie called the frighteners which is like mm -hmm. a long fucking plane ride away mm -hmm. so she got the news um flew home which is like a 24-hour plane ride was home for a week took care of me had his celebration of life got all of their like legal affairs in order put my nanny and I back on a plane with her flew back to New Zealand and finished the film oh my god and it was wow. like you know it, it was like that experience and watching her do that was like oh this is how you handle shit when it gets thrown and your life blows up mm -hmm. um and it was a really good lesson for me obviously like she put me in therapy we talked about it like she she's very an emotional being so we we did all those things in tandem with that mm -hmm. um but watching my mom throughout my life has been like the biggest example of the type of parent I want to be mm -hmm. um and and how I want to exist in this world. She's also, apart from being an actress, she does a lot of energy work. She's a world healer and does private sessions with people all over the world. Um, and so I've, I've grown up with that relationship with spirituality and the universe and like creating what you want. Um, mm -hmm. So that's been a really big part of my life as well. So I think it's interesting that you said like, feeling that need for control means you have a distrust in the universe. Cause I feel the opposite. I feel I have such a trust in the universe. Mm -hmm. It's more the people here that, I'm like, right. want, that I want to be able to have the control over because I feel like I don't trust other people to do as good of a job as I will at things that are, you know, mm -hmm. important to me, mm -hmm. which I've had to really learn to step back from and start to let go of. Wow. That's so cool that you got to sort of get that, like, you know, bird's eye view of like all like your mom being such a strong woman and I mean also just an iconic actress you know I mean being in these huge films like 
E.T.? I mean, when was, like, how did she, what was, like, the first time you saw E.T.? Like, how were you sort of brought mm-hmm. into that? I was not born when she shot E.T., right. but when I did eventually see it, I think I was, like, three or four, and I was like, this is boring. Can we put Yeah, that's what my kids on? say. <laughs> like, what? Now, like, when I got older, obviously, like, as an adult, I see what a an incredible classic film it is and like what a touching Mm -hmm. story it is but yeah as a kid I was like mom this is whack like can we watch Ursula (laughs) yeah kids don't really appreciate it I mean even the little things that I've done Mm -hmm. the small things like you know Flicka which is a horse movie you know they are spectacular Pretty Liars which they're too they're way too young for that but it just depends on the day right it depends Mm -hmm. on sometimes you think your mom's a rock star and other times you're just like oh my gosh this is so annoying can I go play with my friends (laughs) totally so and and the more the older we get the more we appreciate it like I didn't see Cujo until I was like 16 and I remember after I watched that movie I was like well my mom's a badass with a shotgun. And if anything ever goes to hell, I'm okay. <laughs> totally. You definitely want her on your side if there's a rabid yeah. dog like running around. Totally. <laughs> but would, she, like, would she keep in touch and bring you around like Drew Barrymore and Steven Spielberg and like the whole like ET crew? I've met um, Henry Thomas uh, a handful of times. He's, he's so incredible and so sweet. Um, and uh, I've met drew and steven at a couple of like the big reunion premieres she actually just went on drew's talk show um a couple months ago and um it was like a really special thing for them to like get back together and do it was a really sweet episode um but yeah i've met a bunch of them throughout throughout the years at like the big reunion events they just had the big 40th anniversary for et which is crazy and it still like touches people all over the world oh my god i can't believe she went back to work I mean, I know it's there's, I know. there's so many there's there's so many layers to that. Um, yeah, this is not the same, but the only thing I can relate to is I got married in Italy, Italy, and yeah. uh, uh, I was working in North Carolina, and they gave me three days to get married, so I had to fly, get married in Italy, come back to a night God. shoot, and again, not even on the same s- 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 scope, but the fact that the film business just doesn't stop for anything is a conversation that should be had. I mean, it is, it, it, they treat it like, you know, people's lives don't really matter. You're replaceable. And that is, that is the sad reality to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Peter Jackson who directed the film that she was on when she, when this whole experience happened um because she flew back and forth I think three or four times because my dad had a heart attack recovered from that and then had the one that killed him um so he she was flying back and forth multiple times throughout this process Mm -hmm. and Peter just kept going don't worry about it D like we'll settle up at the end of the film um obviously to give one of your leads a week to just leave during filming is is a big thing in the film industry and he was like don't worry about it. Go let me know what else you need. And when he, uh, when she got back, he was like, I never thought you'd be back. D I thought we were going to have to figure out something else and reshoot around you. And when Mm -hmm. she went to, um, go settle up with Mm -hmm. the accounting department at the end of filming, uh, the lady looked at her and was like, Peter's just going to absorb the cost of all the flights and don't worry about it. It's his gift to you. And it's still, I mean, as I mean, uh, yes, starts crying. I mean, mm-hmm. kudos to him, but like, yeah. how could you not pay for the flights? I, like, that's what's, you know, I, you know when you said we'll lot settle of, it up a later. A lot of productions. Like, yeah, but a lot of productions, you know, like are not like that. And she was so grateful to, yeah. to him for just like being like, yes, go be with your family, do what you need to do. Yeah. Okay. So which one of your mom's movies is your favorite? Cujo. Definitely Cujo. Cujo. Yeah. I also know it was the hardest film for her to do. She was treated oh. for exhaustion after that. Um, but I, I just think it's a masterpiece. It still gets tweeted about that. She should have mm-hmm. been up for an Oscar for it, but that was before they were paying attention to horror films, you know, right. in, in the awards circuit. So, but yeah, that's by far my favorite. She suffered films are exhausting. Yeah. Exhausting. It looked, it looked exhausting. I mean, she was constantly yeah. in the run. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not even yeah, just yeah. that. It's not even the yeah. physical, like, yes, it's obviously you're, you're running and you're expending mm-hmm. so much energy, but 
it's the fact that most horror films are shot at nighttime. So mm. what people don't really understand is like you're shooting until five, six a.m. Yeah. and then you don't really sleep because you're not really on that schedule. So you're probably sleeping a couple hours a night, and also you're yeah. so emotional. Think about the emotion that when mm-hmm. if you really want to go there. I mean, I guess you could fake it, but most people try to to really to really yeah. try to connect with the material and you have to get your body into that physical state and you're screaming and you're yelling. And a lot of times you're like trying to get away from the perpetrator. So you're like <laughs> yeah. you know, hitting them and you've got bruises and they've got blood all over you and the blood's probably toxic. So it's just, you don't, you don't feel good after a horror film. <laughs> like, no, it's a, it's a whole thing. And you know, she's like screaming and crying and like losing yeah. her shit the whole movie in that the car. It's yeah. Yeah. They also made it look like it was, like really really hot and she was sweating and they would mm-hmm. like be spraying her with water and it was freezing the entire shoot so it was like and your body's like shivering and going through that weird emo- yeah mm-hmm. it was it was a tough one <laughs> but worth it. that's it's a good workout a for sure film. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they say that film uh that paint my, my husband always says he's a director pain is temporary uh film is forever <laughs> like yeah i don't know um so whatever is on camera and whatever's on screen is a uh, screen is is literally all you have like people don't yeah. remember the times you're exhausted and tired or do they don't care like i said you're not that important they care about what they're watching and how yeah. they feel when they watch it so mm-hmm. do you think you'll ever history. get into acting yeah. So I, I was acting. That's what I was doing when I when I married my first husband. And that mm-hmm. was like my career that was I was only acting. That's how I was supporting myself. Um, and then I started directing right before I left on my Europe trip. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm leaning more into. Now I've done a couple projects in front of the camera since I came back from my my Europe trip. But once COVID hit, it was like author podcast central and like that really took off. Um, but I do have a feature that I'm directing later this year, depending on when I'm giving birth, it'll be either before (laughs) or after the baby comes. Um, and, uh, so that's really where I'm passionate, but I, you know, if the the right project came along, I'd hop back in front for sure. Mm -hmm. And what kind of a film would that be? It's not horror, is it? It actually is horror. Oh, um, it's uh, <laughs> okay. and uh, we and it's actually one of uh, our leads is Henry Thomas, who played the little boy in ET, um, who is a phenomenal wow. adult actor. Most people just don't know the things they're watching him in, but he was in Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Haunting of Hill House that he was like fantastic in, like Ouija, like a, a ton of really incredible movies. He's a phenomenal actor um so it stars him and scout taylor compton who's a really dear friend of mine who's from halloween and runaways uh so yeah i'm I'm excited to uh to bring a a feature to life all comes full circle yeah Yeah. it does i mean you definitely have the background (laughs) for it (laughs) well before we let you go because we know we're going to come into your show now let's do a you want to do a this or that or never have i ever roxy (gasps) Ooh. Never have I ever. So you have to say I haven't or I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. With explanation or no? Up to you, but we would prefer explanation. (laughs) Got it. Got it. (laughs) We like to know. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Roxy, your turn. Okay. Never have I ever been arrested. I have never. That's good. And would fucking die if I was. Uh, Like I'm too scared for that. Uh, knock on wood. I have not, but I guess there's always time. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be arrested. I've been going to so many protests lately. I feel like I'm going to be right. arrested. That's, like, that's, what you, that's what you'll be that's... in the news for not going down yeah. on a plane. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, like Tillman the... gets arrested. I'm kind of excited to be yes, arrested. That's a cool way. That's a cool way to get arrested. Like you're like protesting, like passionate yeah. about something. Like that's a good and way. And then question, when you get arrested for activism, um, do you do you go into jail for a long time or is it just no, like a, like a an hour like stint? Yeah. I think it's like hours and then someone comes and bails you out and it's like, whatever, unless you're, it's like serious, serious, but I think it's usually <laughs> not a thing. Yeah. I would still feel like I was like, you know, I hate being trapped in an elevator again, not that, that happens all the time, <laughs> but um, that would feel like that idea that I couldn't get out. So COVID was very claustrophobic for me. Okay. <laughs> Never have I ever kissed someone that was over 20 years older than me oh 
I don't think over 20, I think, you know, I mean, obviously my husband's 15. Feel like I'm close. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think over 20, I think maybe within the 15 to 19, but I don't think I've passed 20. I think I feel like that would stand out to me in my brain and it it's not. So I'm going to go with, I have never. Roxy, man. <laughs> you I feel like you've like let young, younger when I was 21 I kissed a 50 year old oh no you didn't I did you did who my acting coach <laughs> I see I oh, guess I was God. of age but like now I look back and I'm like that was so wrong of him you're like that was inappropriate yeah. that was inappropriate. Yes. and yes. I remember him smelling because now my husband's 50 and I remember my husband does not smell like mothballs but I remember him <laughs> smelling like mothballs and just being like why am I here um and he gave me like again the story gets worse and worse he gave me um, I've never, I'd never smoked marijuana before. And he gave me like a puff of his joint and thank goodness. They say the marijuana doesn't work the first time. Yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've only smoked it once other than this time. And then I tried it and I puffed it and it, I thought I was really stoned, but like, <laughs> I really wasn't, you know, like when you, oh my you God. think you've taken like, oh my goodness, there was something weird in your drink. You're like, ah, oh, I feel so drunk, but you like, <laughs> it's just all psychosomatic. Um, yeah, but I'm glad I, I wasn't high in his house. Like how, how terrible, this is a terrible story. <laughs> He's like, let me backtrack right now. Before let people me start backtrack the story. He was, he was 35. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Wait, do I give one now or am yeah, I you just do one. You do one. one. Okay. You can do one. Okay. Um, I'm going to give one that's specific to you guys. I won't be able to answer this, but never have I ever had my kids catch me having sex. I just did a TikTok about that. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. It's happened. Have you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So let me set the story up, ladies. Oh, we're going to talk about this on my show. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were, you know, finishing up. It was closing and coming to an end. and all <laughs> Closing and coming to an end. <laughs> we're closing and turning. And then all of a sudden we hear this like pitter-patter, the feet, like coming down the little hallway, like in our bedroom. And we were like, oh shit. And like my husband's butt naked and all that was <gasps> on the floor were my shorts, like my workout shorts. <laughs> grabs them and puts them on. Oh my God. <laughs> we crapped shorts on him. And he's just like, hi, Bray. How are you? <laughs> so my question is, so amazing. he didn't close up? He didn't close up? It, it, so, so like we like literally had just finished and she, the pitter, like the feet were coming down the hallway. Like we could oh, hear man. it. And he pulled the thing up and just literally jumped out in these like shrink wrap shorts. And I was oh underneath God. the blanket, like just being like, you know, <laughs> it is oh the most God. awkward feeling in the entire world. So get ready. Yeah, can't yeah. wait for that. Yay. <laughs> I don't think I have because my have kids you? don't get my kids don't get um TV or players a lot. So mm. when they get them, they do not move. <laughs> it is the best tactic. I honestly think I know parents give their, you know, tons of devices to their kids. My best advice is don't because when you <laughs> need to, like when we had to fly 17 hours once and they don't really watch TV or get on their devices, they did not move from the TV oh from 17 God. hours. Like they're like, I don't even have to ask, pee. That's like a snack <laughs> once. But they were just like so glued to it. Um, oh so God. like when we do, if, you know, if we do, because, you know, people say on my TikTok, they're like, just do it at night. And I'm like, I know, but I'm exhausted, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's tiring. Yeah. yeah. Tiring. <laughs> I'm morning, like, sometimes yeah. a, the day is all you can do. Yeah. Morning is a little hard too, because I'm just like waking up, you know, it's kind of like hard to get in that zone real quick for me at least. Yeah. You know? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so, let's do one more and then we'll come on let's you. and then we'll come on your right. show. I can't okay. wait. Let me see. Never have I ever let's see. Never have I ever cheated like when you were in school. Cheated on something. Oh, I thought you meant boys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. 
You have? I have. And I've been caught. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember very vividly my freshman year of high school. I was at this like bougie ass fame school called the LA County High School for the Arts. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we would always copy each other's homework. It's like, why are we going to fucking each spend time doing this? Like, just give me your paper. And I was like, no shame. I was literally sitting in class <laughs> copying it over. And my, my teacher, I'll never forget it. His name was Mr. Sorensen. Um, uh came over and like snatched the paper off of my desk. And I immediately got that like deep gutted feeling. And he's like, yeah. go to the principal's <laughs> office right now. And I was like, wait, really? Like it's homework. Like, we do this all the time. I know. What do you mean? And I had to go to the principal and it became this big fucking deal that like they oh. made an example out of me. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. So yes, I have many okay. times. Would do it yeah. again. I think I feel like my daughter does that. I'm like, did you did you did you look at your friend? She's like, no. And I'm like, uh, but I don't know. I have this weird, maybe it's not weird, but I have a different feeling towards school. I think that I don't know, it's so I just want my kids to get learned by like touch and being out and talking and like this idea that they come home and they have so much homework. It's like teach, teach the kids what they need to know in right. school. You know, right. like they don't have time to be kids. They're just working all the time. And yeah. it's like a rat race. My daughter's in third grade and it's exhausting for her and she's overwhelmed and overstimulated and it's just yeah. too much. But I don't think I cheated, but I did. I have a photographic memory. So I'd write out my essays and then I would learn my entire essay and then I would write it. So I would get A's, but it's not oh because I like was writing it in the test. I would just write exactly what I had already written at home and then had learned it and then- that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. I color like, code it too. It's like, it's like, like, it's like starting learning, like, to yeah, memorize exactly. lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That yeah. totally helps you in your job. Yeah. yeah. You the photographic memory. That's amazing. Well, we're so excited. We're going to come onto your show next. I can't wait Yay. to see what you ask us, but I'm thank you so it. much for coming so and fun. please tell our listeners everywhere that they can find you. Yeah, you're so welcome. So I'm on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone, TikTok at Gabrielle underscore Stone. You can get the books Eat, Pray, FML, and the sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, exclusively on Amazon, or you can get them signed by me on my website, which is eatprayfml.com. And the website, uh, not the website, the podcast is FML Talk, and it airs every Wednesday. Amazing. Nice. Well, thank you so much, guys. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. And follow us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And Women on Top Official on TikTok. Oh, we do have a TikTok now. Yes, it's going gangbuster. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be posting some of these clips. Yeah. Um, and I am Tamin Sursock. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women. on... Take it away. Top, Top. FML. FML.